1: Let's go over to that book of Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, this is where we'll begin tonight. Um, we're going to um, be looking at this uh, subject. I've been teaching on this for a number of weeks, Trusting in Healing Redemption. And uh, we've been ministering on Wednesday nights on um Sound doctrine, but uh, there's some things that the Lord has been wanting us to say. I've been saying them regularly on Tuesday afternoons, uh, but you know there's a reason that things have to be said, and we'll read this verse tonight in uh, in the book of Matthew chapter eight, where it talks about Jesus healing all that were in the city, and you know it says that uh, that it might be fulfilled. And then it says this, that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Uh, There was a well-known minister one time, uh, very renowned for healing. And he went to a certain part of the country, him and his team. And he had notable miracles in his ministry. And uh, they went and they ministered in this certain part of the country. And after the meetings were over, his staff came to him and said, you know, it just seems like that uh, there weren't the miracles and the healings that we normally see. And he said there wasn't, and he said there's no voice, there's no healing voice, there's nobody speaking that in this area. And, uh, you know, that's so important because, uh, you know, people will say, you know, uh, about the church, you know, it's the message of a church that has the impact. Uh, I remember I was sitting on the front row with my pastor one time at a meeting in Fort Worth, Texas. And he leaned over to me by the Spirit of the Lord, and he said to me, he said, Philip, as a pastor, never substitute social service for the anointing. He said, there are a lot of churches that are doing a lot of things socially, and they call that their work. And he said, that's not their work. Your work as a pastor is to be anointed and preach the Word. Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles said, we need to find men that we can appoint over this business, and we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word, to prayer and the ministry of the Word. In 1982, the Lord spoke to my pastor concerning 1983, and he said in 1983, the only thing you have to do is give yourself to prayer and the preaching of the Word. That's all you got to do, yeah, because the, vo- the message is what matters, amen. The, the size of the congregation is not what matters, it's the message that the congregation is preaching that matters. We got to hold fast to the message. Amen. I, I watched, I watched over the, the last decade. Now we're, we're a decade into the, the 21st century, a couple decades in. I've watched over the last couple decades and I've watched people that preached faith strong, that preached the word of faith. And for whatever reason, they started moving away from the message. They got interested in other things. And I watched their churches go down, down, down. I watched their ministry shrink and shrivel. Because it's, it's not that you're such a great preacher that makes you successful. It's that you're preaching the message that God called you to preach. That, 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 that's the key. I made my mind up years ago. I'm going to dance with the one what brung me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with what changed my life. Do you, do you understand? Brother Hagen would make this statement. He said he said I can always see more miracles, healing signs, and wonders in a small setting than I can in a large auditorium. And he said the Lord Jesus told him the reason for that is there's so many belief systems. In a large auditorium. Amen. That's why you'll, you'll see the, 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 you know, whoever's popular. And they'll come into town and rent the Civic Center. And have thousands of people come. And, and more often than not, they don't even minister the word. They just let the gifts flow. But relative to the amount of people that come to that meeting, very few people get healed. Because most people are not taught to exercise faith. And receive. There's three parts to every service. God's part, my part, and your part. Every service, we will go as far as you let me go. Every service, in every service, it will go as far as the people will allow it to go. Amen. You'll receive everything that you want to receive. Glory be to God. You know, Azusa Street touched the world. But there was never more than 75 people in that building at one time. And it touched the world. It's the birthplace of modern Pentecost. And, it, and there was never more than 75 people in that, in that room. William Seymour that spearheaded that would sit on the platform with his head in an apple crate and pray and intercede. Because he didn't want to be the focal point. He wanted God and God's power to be the focal point. He very rarely ministered. You know who ministered to the sick? The teenagers. They saw people get out of wheelchairs. Saw paralyzed people walk. Blind eyes open. There are documented reports of people that had an arm severed. That went in that median and their arm grew out. Hallelujah. But it starts with. What do I believe about what the Word says? Amen. Because we're, we're in this time. We're in this time that's been prophesied. When uh, Dr. Les Summerall was in uh, London, England, right before World War II, and uh, 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 Hitler had invaded Czechoslovakia, and he was doing what he was doing, and uh, it came down, and, and the British government let him know They said, you've got 10 days and you've got to leave. And he'd been there for two years. And uh, when he first got there, he had been in a meeting uh, where Howard Carter had set up a meeting. Uh, Now, if you don't know who Howard Carter was, Howard Carter was the definitive expert on the nine gifts of the Spirit. He was the head of the Assembly of God in Britain, started the first Pentecostal Bible school in Britain, Assembly of God Bible school. And he traveled with Dr. Sumrall, Dr. Summerall and he traveled around the world. Dr. Summerall wrote a book about it called Adventuring with Christ, a tr- tremendous book. And uh, it's, it's out of print now, but uh, you might find a copy somewhere. But in any event, he had been spending that two years with Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, two things that I found so interesting in that, in that, you got time for this, that I found in, the, in that testimony was when he went there about the second or third time that he went to visit Brother Wigglesworth, he said, Brother Wigglesworth, I notice that not very many young ministers come to see you. And Brother Wigglesworth said, they don't have time for me anymore. A man that had documented, documented at least five people raised from the dead and one man, one man ministered for Brother Hagan who was a, uh, a friend of Smith Wigglesworth, and he said, that's what they say. He said, but he had, I know of, 21 people raised from the dead. Amen. Now, but there's a reason he functioned in that, and we're going to get into some of that tonight. But Dr. Summerall went and said, I've got to go. They've told me that I've got to go. And so uh, he was kneeling there with, Brother Wigglesworth, and he said, he told him, he said, stand up. And he said, I stood up, and he said, he grabbed me and, and pulled me into his chest and began to pray for me and, and, and speak a blessing over me. And he said, but all of a sudden, I started hearing him say, I see it. I see it. I see it. And he said, I said, what do you see? And he said, I see a healing revival coming right after World War II. And he said, it's going to be the easiest thing in the world for people to get healed. He said, it's coming. He said, you mark my words, it's coming. And he said, I see another one. And he said, I see a move of the Holy Spirit where people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit in mainline churches and churches outside of the Pentecostal movement. It was a charismatic revival. He said, "I, I, I see it. They're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost by the scores." And then he said, I see another one. And he said, I see people going into churches by the masses with notebooks, learning about the Word of Faith, Word of Faith movement. And then he said, But I see a final one. I see a final one. And he said, It's going to be filled with the most astounding miracles you've ever seen. He said, Hospitals are going to be emptied out. Oh, glory to God. And he said, this one will usher in the precious fruit of the earth. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. He's coming soon. I said, Jesus is coming soon. The message is more important now than it's ever been before. Because Jesus is coming again. He, he prophesied to another pastor. And he said in the days that we live in. I, I wanted to read this to you because of what the Lord had said about our church. And we're going to get to Isaiah. Just bear with me. And he was talking about uh, something that would not be seen in the churches before. Notice. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. Glory to God. And the Lord said to us, he said, the only way they'll be able to define you is define you as a church that moves, that preaches the word and moves in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So Isaiah 53, we have to consistently place our trust in the healing that belongs to us through the redemptive work of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll read verse 4 and 5, I want to read it to you from the Leeser translation for the sake of time. It says, however, he was the one who lifted up our sicknesses, and he carried our pain, and we ourselves assumed him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. Crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his wounds we were healed. Oh, glory to God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. We quoted this earlier. But I want to read it to you from a couple different translations. The King James says that when the uh, evening was come. That. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah that says, he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Amen. The Madsen translation says he's taken our sicknesses from us, he's borne all of our infirmities. The Moffat translation says he took away our sicknesses and our diseases he removed. Glory to God. The New English Bible says he took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases from us. Oh, hallelujah! Glory to God. Amen. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Of course, it says. That he himself in his own body bore our sins to the tree that we might live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. One translation says his wounds were the means through which we received healing. Another says his wounds have healed you. Another one says and we're healed because of his wounds. Oh, glory. Now, I want you to over and over again see in these verses that you see this word our. O-U-R, our, our sicknesses, our diseases, our infirmities. He took our, he lifted our, he removed our. Amen. Anytime you see the word our in relation to Christ's suffering, It's referencing something that Christ did vicariously for us. Vicariously meaning in the place of or as a substitute for. He carried our sicknesses. He carried our diseases. He lifted them off of us. Now, now it's important to emphasize, they were ours and he took them. In, in my place. He became sick in my place. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? So anytime we see where Christ suffered as our substitute, now this is, this is where your mind has to shift. Because most people that you know, by and large, the largest percentage of people that you know, no matter what denomination they're in, they believe that Christ suffered As their substitute for sin. That's absolutely true, and that's the most important thing that he did. But here's here's the point anytime that I see where Christ suffered as my substitute, healing was included. Because it's the package, it's the package of redemption. All right? When you got redemption, did not just cover your salvation from sin it it covered every part of your body every verse that you see about redemption covers the whole man hallelujah amy simple mcpherson the founder of the four square church she said christ must be preached number one christ had to be preached as savior number two christ had to be preached as baptizer and the holy ghost number three christ had to be preached as healer and number four he had to be preached as soon coming king until you have preached that healing is a part of the gospel and a part of redemption, you haven't preached the gospel. And, and the, the issue is, is so many people believe healing is something God has to do. Instead of understanding, it's something that in the mind of God is done. Now, I'm not talking about, well, let me, let me, let me move on. F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth in his great book Christ the healer he stated the same thing god you have to see christ as savior and then he said sanctifier healer and soon coming king hallelujah so i have to see this in these verses we see the finished work of redemption it's it's not finished just because jesus fulfilled his earthly ministry it is a finished work because it covered every part of the believer's life and existence. It's a finished work. Every part of my life was covered in it. It's finished. There's nothing that I have to be redeemed from. There's nothing that I have to have that I have to have more covering for. It was finished. When Jesus says it is finished, It wasn't just his earthly ministry. It means it's finished. Redemption is finished for all mankind for all time. And it covers every area of their life. Glory to God. So I have to see Christ as my Savior. I have to see him as the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. I have to see him as my healer. Amen. Say out loud, he is my healer. I have to see him as my soon coming king amen hallelujah well, see there, there's the urgency there. there there's the urgency we don't have time we don't have time that other generations had we don't have the time that they had in the 40s and the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s we if we believe we're right at the door This is the season and the time that we preach everything that God has for us to minister and help people see the totality of their redemption. Most believers have no trouble believing Jesus is their Savior from sin and from its effects. To them, that's the thing that happened immediately when they repented. Immediately. When I was born again, what was I saved from? Because according to Scripture, I was saved from sin, I was saved from iniquities, I was saved from transgressions. According to Isaiah, Jesus was tormented for me because of my iniquities. Well, where was he tormented for me at? In hell. He suffered the torment in hell that I would have had to suffer had I not become born again. He suffered the gamut of the punishment and the torment so that redemption could be as complete as it is. Had he not suffered the torment, redemption would not be as complete as it is because there would still be a price to pay. Somebody would have to be tormented. Redemption covered your torment. Glory to God. The enemy brings up your past. You need to bring up Hebrews 9.14. That the blood of Jesus has purged my conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's been purged. That's been purged how? By the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we should rejoice in that. We should rejoice that our sins are forgiven. That they've been washed away. That they don't exist anymore. But according to the word, I was saved from sickness. I was saved from disease. Hang on. I was saved from pain. I was saved from weakness. That's what it says. Now now, now think about that. When? When I got born again. Healing is not an add-on. It's not I got saved and God will heal me. No, I got saved and God healed me. When Jesus was dealing with the enemy in Luke chapter 4, and the enemy was tempting him, and, and, and I'll use this real quick, he said, if, the, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made into bread. And you know Jesus, the King James Bible, he answered him, he said, A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The original Greek says this, that Jesus said, it is written and is presently on record. When you got born again, it not only went on record that you were saved from sin, it went on record that you were healed. That's the record heaven has for you, healed. You have to, in simple faith, receive that. And and sometimes as ministers... I know what we mean, but we got, we got to watch some of the things we say. Well, come up here, and God will heal you. You're not healed when there's a cessation of symptoms. You were already healed. Your faith laid hold of what you already were. God doesn't have to heal you. In God's mind, I'm healed. Are you saved? Did you repent today? Did you ask God to forgive you again today? Well, I hope not. Because once you got saved, you're saved. Have you ever missed the mark since you've been saved? What did you do? What did you do? You, in simple faith, you went to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. And you said, Lord, I confess my sin, and you are faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You did that in simple faith. You believed that he would cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you, if you asked him, to forgive you when were you saved ever how many years ago that you gave your life to Christ you were born again and you missed the mark but you didn't have to get saved all over again listen it's a finished work you're saved you're saved it's a finished work when you ask Christ into your life you became born again you have to in simple faith believe what the word of God says When you got born again, you got the package. You got salvation from sin, salvation from from sickness, salvation from poverty, salvation from mental anguish. You got the whole package. Hallelujah. Do you see this? We've been quick to receive one of these, but then we believe we have to wait on the others. They're all in the same package. I say they're all in. Have you ever bought a pair of shoes and paid extra for the heel? You know, you go to a shoe store, they don't have the shoe rack and the tongue rack. Right? Or the shoe rack and the heel rack. If, if you buy a pair of shoes with a heel, the heel comes with it. Is that, you don't go buy a car and buy the tires separate. They're not add-ons. They come with it. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 53 and 5 again in the Amplified Bible, it says, With the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Notice the word are. We are. 1 Peter 2 24, the 20th century New Testament says, His bruising was your healing. Whew. Oh, hallelujah. Now, now here's the way most people will see that. Well, yeah, Jesus took stripes and and he's gonna heal me. Mm-mm. His bruising was your healing. Hallelujah. The stripes that were laid on Jesus represented the sickness, disease, and weakness that had come upon mankind in the fall. Ministers will preach this. They'll say, Jesus came to buy back for us everything Adam lost. Did Adam lose healing or perfect health? Perfect health. There was no healing in the garden. There was no need for healing. I mean, would that be scripturally accurate? In an environment of perfection, do you think there was sickness? Right? So what did Jesus buy back? If he got back for us everything Adam lost, what did he get back? What's his intention that we have? Complete health. Is that, do, do, do you see that? And the bruises, the stripes that Jesus took are evidence that that's mine. Not evidence that I can have it. Evidence I already have it. I already have it. Amen. So what, what does that mean? Sickness that you may be dealing with is attempting to usurp the healing that you have. Amen. People will say, "Well, you know, we're not we're not the, the sick trying to get well. We're the healed, protecting our health. We got to believe that healed is what I am." Now, now, here, follow me here. If I are you saved, have you sinned since you were saved? So, are you a sinner? But you sinned. But you're saved. Why? You got saved. When you got saved, you were saved from sickness. You became the healed. So just because sickness is trying to attack your body doesn't change what you are. You are the healed. If if you make a mistake tomorrow with your walk with Christ, and you miss the mark, you're not a sinner, you just made a mistake, you sinned. Repent. He'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How did you do that? You received that in simple faith. When you look at yourself as I am the healed, yeah, these symptoms are attempting to exert authority over me, but the healing in me is going to drive those symptoms out of my body because I'm not sick, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, we don't want to deny. No, you don't want to deny that you're in a fight, but you also don't want to deny what you are. The intensity that you resist sickness with determines the level of victory that you walk in. If you kind of give it a half-hearted effort and baby that thing around, you got to talk to it like what it is, a usurper. It is a trespasser. Are are you following me? Listen, if you walked into your house tonight, you got up to get you a drink of water in the middle of the night, and you walked through your living room, and there was somebody coming through your front door or the window that wasn't supposed to be there, are you going to sit back and go, well, now, you know, uh, uh, what do you need? No, no. You're going to, hey, 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 buddy. Hey, now you can leave. You can leave one of two ways. You can leave walking, or they can carry you out. It's up to you. But you got to go because this isn't your house. You are trespassing. This does not belong. This doesn't belong to you. Hey, hey, sickness. This doesn't belong to you. This was bought by the blood of Jesus. Stripes were put on his back for my healing. I'm I'm not going to just sit back and let you trespass on my life. Hallelujah. Do, do, Do you see that? In, in days gone by, some of the, the older healing ministers came under a lot of fire and people misunderstood what they were saying because they would make statements. Now, some went too far where medical science and things were concerned. And they didn't put much faith in medical science. Well, number one, medical science wasn't very good back then. Sometimes the cure was worse than the disease. Amen. Amen. And, and they could walk in better health just believing God. Hmm. There are still diseases they don't know what to do with. They promised you. I'll just say his name. Dr. Fauci promised you that when you got the, the, you got the vaccine, you wouldn't get COVID no more. I know people have been double-vaxxed, had it three times. I'm not against vaccines. I'm not making fun of anybody. What I'm saying is the world doesn't know what to do with that disease. Redemption knows what to do with that disease. There's Jesus, people will say Jesus took 39 stripes on his back. The Bible says that history records that that it was a, 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 a whip with nine strands. If he was beaten 39 times with a whip with nine strands, he took 351 stripes. At one time, there were 39 major diseases in the world. 39 major diseases. Jesus took a, took a beating for every one of the major diseases that were known in the world. But then he really took 351 stripes because Deuteronomy 28 says that if you disobey God, even every sickness and every disease not mentioned will come upon you. Those 351 stripes assure me that even if I don't know what it is, I'm covered. I'm covered. Hallelujah. Am I helping anybody? The stripes were for our healing. In other words, Jesus had to take our sickness onto his own body. He had to take them as if they were his. And then he had to take them to a place of payment. He had to take them to the cross. Now I'm going to give you these verses. You don't have to go here. There's four of them. You can write them down. Matthew 27, 26. Mark 15, 15, Luke 23, 16, and John 19, 1. You need those again? Matthew 27, 26, Mark 15, 15, Luke 23, 16, and Luke 19, 1. Those are all the accounts of Jesus being beaten with the whip. And I want you to notice something. All four gospel writers placed the scourging of Christ before the crucifixion. Now that may be an elementary statement. We know this, but don't miss the importance of it. Because here's the importance of it. He was not merely beaten. This was was not just punishment. In the mind of man, it was just punishment. Remember, Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. I'll scourge him and let him go. They said, no, we want him crucified. So he went ahead and beat him and then crucified him. But here's the thing. He wasn't merely beaten. This was when our sicknesses, this was when our diseases. I want you to really get a hold of this one. Our weaknesses were all laid on him. You know, it's not a coincidence that history records most men died from the beating. What, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? The sickness that takes everybody else out is not going to take you out because it couldn't take Jesus out. And Jesus willed himself to go to the place of payment with your sickness, your disease, and your weakness on his body. He willed himself to go to the cross to do that. You want to be well and whole if for no other reason than the great cost it cost Jesus. Amen. Sickness is not sin. But there had to be a price paid in order for us to be legally free from its dominion. Because sickness came into the earth Understand when I say this through legal channels because of Adam's transgression. That's when the curse came. Hallelujah. That's why if you, you have to view sickness as abnormal, it's not normal. It's not normal to be sick. It's, it's, don't, don't fall into that line of thinking, well, you know, once you get to a certain age, everything just starts falling apart. That's not normal. That's not normal. He took your weaknesses. See, I always get a muted response from that. Well, you know, once you get to a certain age, you just can't do what you used to do. Okay, I beg your pardon. God said, Moses, Moses said, Read, read the book of Deuteronomy sometime. God told Moses, he, Moses told God, he said, Lord, Father, can I please, can I go over into the promised land? I really want to see it. And God said, no, because of your disobedience at Meribah, you can't go. He said, but uh, come up on this mountain, and I'll let you look over. Moses was 120 years old. I'm I'm, I'm just. I want to see your Bible acumen here. Was this Old Testament or New Testament before the cross? Under a covenant with promises that the Bible says we have a better covenant based on better promises. Moses was 120. And his eyesight was not dim, and his natural force was not abated. You know what that means? That means two things. He was very strong, and he could still father a child at 120 years of age. Somebody ought to shout. Well, what does that mean? Where have we, It has taken the church centuries? To convince us that we just need to put up with everything the world puts up with. And once you get to a certain age, just go sit in the recliner and let somebody take care of you. He took our weaknesses. Tell your neighbor, he took my weaknesses. Amen. And then you talk strong. You look at weakness as a usurper. You look at it at, 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 at infirmity as a usurper. Hallelujah. Mm. Everyone that received Christ was in the At the cross, we were saved from sin and its effects. Sickness, disease, weakness. So I gotta, in simple faith, receive it. That's it. This is what the Word says, so this is what I'm going to receive. Confession is not confessing to get something. Confession is saying what God says you are. It's agreement with God. A lot of times people think I'm confessing to try to get something. You're confessing and building your faith that you are what God said you are. When you make the statement, I'm the healed of the Lord. Well, that's not just a good confession. That's not bringing healing to you. That's solidifying what you are. You know, when my wife, they say, they say uh, 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 are, are you married? And she goes, uh, yes, I'm, I'm uh, Mrs. Philip Steele. Well, she's not trying to get me. She's not confessing. I'm Mrs. Philip Steele. He's going to come to me. Hmm. No, 29 years ago this month, I came to her and have decided I'm never going to leave. Right? But here's my point. When she says that, it's a statement of who she is. When you say, I'm the healed of the Lord, you're not saying... I'm sick, and I want to be healed. You're saying, this is what I am. Sickness, you're on notice. I'm the healed of the Lord. Folks, we've got to move from confessing to possessing. Psalm 91 Does it say this or not? No evil shall befall you. Here you go. No plague will come near your dwelling. If he promised us no plague would come near our dwelling, would that be his will? How could David say no plague will come near your dwelling? He could say it because of the price Jesus was going to pay. I have a right to say no plague will come near my dwelling. So when you see your house, you, 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 talk, you know, you should talk to your house. You're a plague-free zone. Every disease and every, every, every disease, every sickness drops dead at my doorstep. Why? I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Well, what if I fight a battle? You're redeemed. You talked, listen. 1 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53 and 5, Matthew chapter 8, that's your receipt. Proof positive, my healing's been paid for. Amen. If you don't want it, you got the receipt. That it was paid for. Take it back. If you don't want sickness. You've got the receipt. That your healing was paid for. Take it back. And tell the devil. You take back what you're trying to put on me. Because it's been paid for. You got to with simple faith receive that. Amen. Amen. I was talking to somebody the other day and they, they were talking about a certain disease and I just looked at them and I said, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Every time it comes up, I say, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. And I've had people say, well, no, 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 well, I'm the he, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Amen. Well, what if you fight a battle? I'll tell you then as well, I will never have it. Because that means two things. Now, I believe I will never have it, and if it tries to come on my body, I won't have you. You're, don't get satisfied with just making it. Well, I can deal with this. Why do you want to deal with it when the price has been paid? I have a friend of mine. I got about five minutes I can get done. And uh, uh, he pastors a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Long story short, uh, uh, a guy saw a suit that he had on and said, man, I like that suit. Where'd you get it? And he told him where he got his suits made in a certain tailor shop. And the guy said, well, I really like that suit. He said, I'll buy you a couple suits. He said, I'll buy you shirts and ties to go with them. And the guy said, well, great. And he said, I'll call them. They got my credit card on, on, online or uh, on record. I'll call them and tell them that you're going to come in. He said, okay. And about two weeks later, he called and said, hey, did that guy ever come in? They said, no, hadn't seen him. Six weeks later, he called and said, hey, that guy ever come in? No, hadn't come in. Guy never went in. He had two brand-new tailor-made suits that were there ready for him with tie, suit, uh, shirt, belt, everything. They're paid for. He didn't go take them. Another guy did the same thing. He he did the same thing for another guy, make a long story short. And he called and said, this guy's going to come in. And he called uh, about a week later and said, that guy ever come in? They said, oh, yeah, he called the day after you called us. Came on in. See, there's the difference. There's the difference. There's the difference between somebody that sees something and would like to have it and somebody that goes, it's paid for, I'm going to go get it. Oh, hallelujah. Sickness is illegal. I'll say that again. Sickness is illegal. It's an illegal entity in your body. Does the Bible say you are bought with the blood of Christ? Therefore, glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Who does my body belong to? Does God want a body that belongs to Him, sick, and infirm, and weak, and can't do what it needs to do? No. He doesn't. That's why Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah. So i got to change my mind from I need to be healed To I am healed. And sickness is attempting to exercise authority over what I am. I'm healed. Oh, hallelujah. Sickness is an attempt to violate healing. I am just, I am healed just as much as I'm safe from sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Matthew eight sixteen seventeen, 17, we read it earlier, the Bible says that when evening was come that they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the devils with their word and healed all that were sick. Well, when you read these verses, Isaiah is prophetic about what Jesus would do. Peter ties it all up with the bow and puts it all in the one act of redemption. He took my sin to the cross and my sickness and my disease. But then we have this right in the middle. The next verse says, so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself, took our infirmities and our sicknesses. Well, Peter was talking to us. Isaiah was talking to us. Here in Matthew, we see something. Jesus healed all those people on credit. He healed them all based on what he was going to do. Everybody in the Old Testament was healed based on what he was going to do. Now, here's what I'm saying. God wants people healed so much, He healed them on credit. There are people that were healed that Jesus went and ministered to in the belly of the earth that was healed on credit based on what He was going to do. No wonder they started rejoicing and praising God and shouting when Jesus came to minister to them. The fulfillment of what they had heard and been told was coming was in their midst my friends The the fulfillment of everything Jesus bought and paid for is in our midst it is legally ours the master said wherever two or three of you are gathered together in my name I the healing Jesus the one that took stripes on my back and paid for your healing I'm in the midst with you that's why the Bible could say if there's any sick let them call for the elders of the church Let him anoint him with oil. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith in what? The prayer of faith in the fact that you're already healed and you need to manifest that healing. It's here in the name of Jesus. (sighs) Glory to God. So how much more should we who are recipients of the finished work be healed? He healed them on credit. Based on what he was going to do.
0: Isn't that powerful? Oh, hallelujah. The days are short. And the
1: time of power is at hand. Those things that have been said over the years and through the the days before, they're at hand. The doors have opened. The way has been made. The days of power upon us.
0: So
1: step in. Step into the plan. Step into the flow. Step into the plan for this place. Step into the plan for your life. Make the decision that that will govern your decisions.
0: Oh, and you'll
1: see things. You'll see it in your life on a score never seen before. As you just in simple faith receive what's been paid for, what's been bought, what's been given to you free of charge.
0: But live ready,
1: live ready, for time is short. I am soon to come, the Lord says. Prepare yourself, be ready for an hour that you think not. The time will appear. The days are short. The power is multiplied. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive that. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I believe God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We're just getting that presence. Hallelujah. It's yours. You have it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll close with this. I don't want to keep you long. We have to. I was talking to uh, my wife on the way to church tonight. And I've always tried to live my life cognizant of the fact of two things. I will give an account for my life and my time. Everybody will. You know, when companies coming. Depending on the importance of the company, you clean the house. Right? The cobwebs go, and you clean the baseboards, and the dog might even get a bath. Jesus is coming. The most important person the world has ever known is returning. And he said, I want you to be ready. You know, that's not just make sure there's no sin in your life. You want to be consecrated to his plan. When he shows up, you want to be doing what he wants you to be doing. Remember the, the parable that Jesus told about the, the master, the, the Lord that went away, and he came back, and some, some of the servants were doing wrong and not doing what they should have been doing? And he came back when they weren't expecting him. you got to live your life cognizant every day that this is imminent. The rapture of the church is imminent. Any day we're out of here. A wonderful man of God that had a great ministry years ago, they asked him, they said, what is the difference between the generation we have now and your generation He said, we live cognizant of the fact that Jesus was going to return any day. That produces an urgency. I want to do more now than I've ever wanted to do. I'm looking for more ways to get this message. It's not about me. The the day of the great speaker is over with. It's been over with. You got a few hanger-ons that don't understand that. It's over with. It's about the message. I want more churches in our fellowship because we got to have the message out there. It's somebody told me the other day, you're a bishop. I said, please don't call me a bishop. Bishops die. Started calling them a bishop, they die. I'm not a bishop. I'm doing what God called me to do. And and I don't want to take much of your time, but we need to hear this. It's the message. It's not who gets to give it, it's that it's out there. I'm seeing something over and over and over again. We've talked about this. More and more, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing more and more churches of our size that are having churches in two locations and three locations. You want to know why? It's not everywhere. I had a, a, a couple in the church in Kansas on Sunday morning, and they sent us an email they drove over an hour to get to church because we have some friends in Fayetteville, Wade and Darlene Barker, and, and, and they, they had moved, this girl had moved to Kansas with, with her husband, and she said, there's no word of faith churches here. And they said, oh, yeah, faith builders. Well, we're over an hour away. They came to church. We got an email from her, and she said, not only are we going to be there every Sunday morning, We're going to believe, God, that we can be there every Sunday night. And we've already come into agreement for a job and a house in DeSoto so we don't have to drive an hour to church. But they said, until we do, we'll drive that hour. The Lord has told us over and over and over and over again. There's a hunger for the word that's going to come on people and they're going to be hungry for the word like a hungry man is hungry for a meal. You better get ready because we don't have enough chairs for the hungry people that are coming but we're going to do more. We're going to press into more avenues. We're going to get more opportunities to preach the message that God has given us. It's not about me or her or anybody else. We're not writing books so we can be great well-known authors. We're writing books because people are going to hell and they need to know that God will deliver you and God will set you free. I'm not preaching on healing because that's what we word of faith people preach on. People are sick. People are without hope. People have no way out. We have the answer. We have it. We have the answer. And so every church that we can plant that'll preach this message Every avenue that we can get on that will preach this message. That's what it's about. It's about the message. If you knew me, you'd understand that I would really rather other people be used. God told me that I'm doing what I'm doing because the previous two pastors he asked to do it wouldn't do it. I was very satisfied being an assistant pastor helping in my local church. Cleaning toilets, mowing yards painting buildings, I was very happy. And God put his finger in my cereal bowl and said, you've got to go do this. I told him one day, i would sit in my office. I said, Lord, how am I going to do this? I don't understand how I'm going to do this. And he said, son, you have to do it. I don't have anybody else. I've got to do this. We've got to do this. It's 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 our calling. We're the generation that may see Jesus return. And when he shows up, we want to be doing what he's asking us to do. Hallelujah. Let's stand up tonight. I know we have went a little over the hour of power. But you don't mind when the movie runs a little long.